It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Should Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford start at quarterback, and is that even the most important thing? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby of Auburn Daily, Locked On Movie Prospects, and a million other things. Joining us to continue talking about the debacle that was Auburn football's performance against LSU. We'll talk about the receiving game and we'll talk about Auburn's next opponent some towards the end of the show, but let's start things off with the biggest topic that we've just got to jump into here is who should start at quarterback Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford. And before we get into that question, because I'm going to lay this out there, I do think it's time for a change. I do think it's time for Robbie Ashford to start against Ole Miss on Saturday, but More importantly, the conversation I think we need to be having as a fan base, Lindsay, is not who starts, but whoever starts, how much of the offense are they going to actually get to run? Are they going to get to stay in the game if a switch is made or if a switch isn't made, if they stick with Peyton? I just think the way the quarterbacks have been handled from a usage standpoint and a rotation standpoint, Lindsay, has been abysmal, and that's the first thing you have to fix when you talk about Auburn's quarterback position. When you listen to Hugh Freeze talk after the game, he very much discussed it like Robbie Ashford still has a partial package versus the full playbook. Yep. And it's it's really frustrating Like as a fan. I can't imagine as a player. As a fan, to see Robbie Ashford drive down the field, three, four plays, whatever it is, and then he gets pulled and Peyton Thorne comes in. And it's just, it's a lack of flow to the offense. It's a lack of rhythm. And you're at the point where I think we've realized by now, Peyton Thorne, for some reason, when the bullets are live, he's not the guy, right? May look great in practice, may do all the right things off the field, but for some reason in the game on Saturday, he's not making the right decisions. He's not getting the ball where it needs to do. He's not performing. And so... If you go to Robbie Ashford, that's perfectly fine, but let him play. It feels like, I said this two weeks ago, uh, Auburn switches back and forth for, like inside the same drive. At worst, you need to be letting the guy finish the drive and then wait to make the change until the next drive, if not preferably quarter or something like that. But it's just, it interrupts everything. And I remember a couple offensive penalties on Auburn because they were late getting the play call in because they were swapping quarterbacks and things like that. And I thought that'd make it easier because they could go in with the call. Yeah, like, you know what you're doing because you were just on the sideline next to the coach. What are you doing? It's bizarre. It's very frustrating. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, whoever's in at quarterback on that given play, they don't seem to be in on the same page. And, and Daryl and I talked about this in our instant reaction show that came out yesterday, Lindsay, mm-hmm. about how this rotation... It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help Peyton. It doesn't help Robbie. It doesn't help these receivers. It can't help the offensive line. They're two two very different quarterbacks to block for. 
And it, it's just, it's not working. It's not working. And if you believe Robbie Ashford is such a dynamic player that you've got to put him on the field, put him at quarterback. Put him at quarterback. Leave him in there. And, like, it, it stinks. I, I don't think Peyton's a bad quarterback. But no. what's happening right now isn't working. It's not working. When Whether it's the RPO, whether it's the offense isn't what he thought it would be, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But if these receivers aren't going to be able to step up and help the quarterback, you need some dynamic explosiveness. And really, Lindsay, I think you just need a spark. And I think mm-hmm. Robbie can bring that more so than if you were to keep Peyton in for the entire game. Yeah, and it's each guy obviously has their different abilities, their different strengths. I think the biggest thing is what you have to do if you commit to one guy over the other is you need to call an entire drive or an entire quarter to their strengths. Honestly, I'm kind of at the point of script the first quarter, script the second quarter with a different quarterback in each one because there's the Auburn you see in that first drive where everything you've predetermined what you're going to do. And then outside of that first drive, after that is when the personnel starts changing and it's wide receivers, tight ends, but also the quarterback is changing. And even the commentators, even Jesse Palmer is figuring out what you're going to do based on who runs in the game under center. And so, yeah. And and I think the main thing you're talking about is there's a plan and everybody in theory would be on the same page if you were going into it. And I don't necessarily agree with you that it needs to be one quarterback for a quarter, another quarterback for another, but at least they would kind of know. I mean, ESPN's broadcast team did an outstanding job, specifically when Robbie was in, zooming in on Peyton's face. And it just looking at it, I didn't get the vibe he knew when he was going to go in again, right? Like that's just kind of the vibe I got. And then when he got in, it's like, okay, it's third and eight. You know, I wonder what he's going to do. Um, once again, it's just, it's not putting people in situations to succeed. And clearly, what you've done so far isn't working. And once again, we'll talk about the importance of coming out of bye week later in the show today. But that was, that was two weeks of prep mm-hmm. that we came up with against an LSU defense that has been giving up yards and points like it was free candy. On Halloween, it's just it was the most ridiculous thing and really concerning thing. And hopefully it's a shock to the system offensively and they make some drastic changes because something has to change. Yeah, what you're what you've been doing is not working. And what you've been doing for the most part is swapping guys from play to play based on the game situation and like the script of where the game is on this particular drive. That's not working. It's time to do something else. And you don't have to do a a guy for each quarter, but my point, my, my bigger point is just pick a guy and let him get multiple drives with the offense and be comfortable. And Yes, you're going to lose something when you stick with one guy. If you stick with Peyton Thorne, you're probably going to lose some explosiveness from the quarterback position. If you stick with Robbie Ashford, you're probably going to lose a little bit of the passing tree and the potential of the passing game. But what you're doing now isn't working. You have to do something different. And the fact that you took two weeks to game plan for a bad LSU defense, and that's what you put up, tells me that nothing should be safe. 
Nothing of what you've been doing, your routine, your plans, none of that should be safe because obviously it's not good. Yeah. So one of the bigger adjustments that I saw coming out of the bye week, at least early, I liked. And then over the course of the game, I didn't like it because of how it was handled. We'll discuss this in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the best place to buy all of your last-minute tickets or tickets ahead of time. I bought Auburn Ole Miss tickets through Game Time weeks in advance. Probably should have. Well, I haven't checked, but I assume they're cheaper than they used to be. I don't know that, but 6 o'clock game on Saturday. It should be an electric atmosphere. Get your tickets as well. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. When you get there, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks makes watching any sporting event more fun. Also, because you can win up to twenty five times your money. I love it. It makes every game that uh, that you kind of are semi-interested in makes it so much more entertaining. It's you versus the numbers that Prize Picks gives you. You pick a player, and then there's an over or under based off of a certain stat. And the more you pick, obviously, the more you can certainly win. So head over to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match of up to $100, deposit $100, get $100. Um, Lindsay's in banking. He knows that's a good deal. You're not going to get that return anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Lindsay Crosby. I loved that Auburn came out with different starters at receiver for the first two drives of the game. We saw Caleb Burton. We saw Rivaldo Fairweather at receiver. I do not think it was two tight ends on the field. He looked to be a pure wide receiver. And then Coy Moore was the third one. And I liked all of that. And then they just seemed to rotate in and try to get as many guys as possible involved in the passing game. And I just don't think when you look at this receiving room and this slate of pass catchers that are in front of you, I think you've got two or three dudes that SEC defenses have to respect. And if you're not going to them significantly more than everybody else, Lindsay, I have a hard time seeing it make sense until there's actual production on the field. Auburn targeted 11 different people against LSU. Frazier had three targets. Jarquez Hunter had three targets. Jay Fair had three targets. And Shane Hooks and Rivaldo Fairweather on three targets, according to Pro Football Focus. Of some of those, you get, right? Like, if you were to target Jay Fair and Rivaldo Fairweather more than that, I don't think anybody would blink. I don't think anyone would blink. The issue to me is, when you look at the, the actual production that you're getting from some of these targets, I just don't think it makes sense. I mean, you look at it, right now, Jay Fair leads the team in targets with 30. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. Next is Rivaldo Fairweather with 22. I don't think anybody has a problem with that, especially when he didn't get any in week one. It was like, okay, all right, that's cool. That makes sense. But then it's Shane Hooks. Shane Hooks has been targeted 20 times, and after that, the drop-off is to eight. 
to Javaris Johnson, who hasn't even played that much, right? And when you look at Shane Hooks, when he's been targeted 20 times, he has just eight catches. That's 40%. That's not good. And it's very clear that they're not on the same page. And so when you look at who all they're trying to engage in the passing game, I just don't know if that's the right way to go about it when I don't think SEC defenses are too particularly worried about Luke Deal in the passing game. Or, uh, you know, you, you went to Caleb Burton twice early, then you never went to him again. Same with Cam Brown, back-to-back on RPOs, and Hugh Freeze explained why they went away from that afterwards, which is fine. If that's the call, it's the call. But just the pursuit of trying to get more guys involved, I don't think is the answer, Lindsay. It's a weird decision, right? Like I something I've said on this show, I feel like a dozen times now is how that chemistry between the quarterback and the wide receiver matters. When you look at these 50-50 balls, you look at especially in this offense where you have routes where you're having to decide what to do based on the coverage you're seeing. It makes sense to take a couple guys you know, like a Jay Fair, like a Rivaldo Fairweather, and rep them over and over and over again so that whoever the quarterback is, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, who, Holden Garner, whoever it is, they can get comfortable with what that guy is going to do in that scenario. And instead, you throw to 13 different people, and like you said, no one's afraid of Luke, nothing personal. 11. No one's afraid of Luke Deal in the passing game. There is not a single person that is like, oh no, we have to make sure we know where number 86 is on the field at any given time. Mm-hmm. So if you have an offense that is not working, take the people that it has worked the best with and focus on them versus mixing in a ton of people to see. It almost feels like they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, to see if anything works. But then so that- if it does stick, they don't go back to it. That's the other confusing part is, one, at this point in the season, you should not be at the throw stuff on the wall and see if it sticks point. But then at the same time, if something does work, they don't go back to it. Like you said, Burton got a couple passes early and then nothing else for the whole whole rest of the game. And it's you had two tight ends in the game early, although Fairweather was playing wide receiver and then nothing for that the whole rest of the game. And it just it doesn't make sense. And it comes back to the whole kind of thing that we've said in the first segment too, where it doesn't feel like you have a comprehensive, well-thought-out plan for the entire game. You're kind of just doing it live. The quarterbacks don't know when they're going to go back in. The receivers don't know if they're going to get the ball or not, or uh, if they're going to get targeted, or even who's going to play the next drive or anything like that. And it just it feels like you need to be more definitive with what you're doing from a passing perspective, from a receiving perspective, from a targets at a game calling perspective. Yeah. And it looked like they went into this wanting to get tight ends involved in the passing game. Like it seemed like that was part of the game plan. We talked about that with Frazier before Saturday. He had not been targeted this year to my knowledge. And then I believe that was also Luke deals first target that they had early in the game on the season. And so if that's the game plan, like that's cool. It worked on the Frazier part for sure. Then, you know, between those two and then Rivaldo Fairweather, who wasn't technically a tight end, he was at receiver, but you know, that would have been seven targets between all of them, which is almost a third of your passes on uh, on Saturday. Like, I get that. If that's your game plan, that's cool. But 
Still, like Rivaldo Fairweather's first catch came with the second to last play of the third quarter. Like, I, I just have a really hard time getting over. I tweeted that out. Yeah. <laughs> Rivaldo liked that tweet Sunday while I was at church. So I thought that was funny. I thought that was interesting. So um, I don't know if that means he agrees or not, but it is what it is. But there's just a lot when you look at these splits, right? I, I talked about hooks. Hooks has 20 targets, just eight catches. That's 40%. Malcolm Johnson. Eight targets, three catches. That's 37.5%. Amari Kelly, smaller sample size here. Five targets, two catches on those five targets, 40%. Nick Martin's been targeted three times, no catches. Tyler Fromm's been targeted three times, just one catch. And, you know, then Luke Deal's one target, no catches. So it's just when you look at all of these guys that they're trying to get involved up to this point in the season, like the stats just don't back it up. Like it just doesn't. Makes sense. Is that an execution thing? Is it something where they're executing in practice and it falls more on Peyton Thorne because it sounds like in practice he's very good? I don't know. I have no clue. I have no clue. But what? once again, what they're doing isn't working. It would be so much easier to kind of say, oh, I see what the plan was if they threw it to Jay Fair eight times, if they threw it to Rivaldo Fairweather eight times. And then if somebody got hot, like a Brandon Frazier did Saturday night, it's like, okay, that makes sense why they got them involved. But this lack of this lack of a number one wide receiver, so you're going to use a bunch of dudes. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and it it honestly feels like the deficiency here. Like I'm trying to figure out: is it deficiency the quarterback not going to the guy, or is it the play call is not the right play call? And Hugh Freeze in his press conferences, I've I've noticed the trend this year. Everybody has is that he tends to put any sort of negative issues back on the coaching. We have to do a better job of coaching that. We have to do a better job of getting guys in the right position. And so my instinct is to say the coaching staff is not doing a good enough job of one, personnel packages, and two, making a point to call plays where, say, your primary read is Jay Fair or Rivaldo Fairweather. It, it seems weird that you would not be planning on targeting Rivaldo Fairweather more than three times in a game. Ostensibly, you went out and you got him as one of your first transfers because you wanted an impact player at tight end. So the only thing that I can think of is either, A, they're deliberately choosing to feature as many guys as possible, hoping one catches fire, or two, that they just don't necessarily have a plan and they're kind of reacting to who is available to play in that in that specific down or series or whatever it is. And we're just calling this live. And there's a skill deficiency when it comes to calling the game live versus pre-scripting stuff. And we saw Gus Malzahn have this too. That sure when he a lot of teams do. Sure. Yeah. When when he would script the first opening drive, it was fantastic. It was so good. It was a lot of diversity, a lot of different things. And then when he was calling the game live in the second, third, fourth, whatever it would be a lot of repeating the same concepts over and over things he was comfortable with. And yeah, I don't quite know where the issue is here, but you've got to feature your playmakers more, especially the guys you made a point to go out and get like Rivaldo Fairweather. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rivaldo Fairweather. Then, you know, Jay fair had such a good off season. I mean, he's benefited from that. And once again, I think everybody's okay with him leading the team in targets up to this point, but even like the riding the hot hand, Lindsay, like Caleb Burton, Two catches real quick off of two targets. That's great. Back-to-back from Cam Brown, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, the RPO took him away. And it's like, well, figure out a scheme to get him involved. Like, you don't have that just in case. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know. Change your plan a little bit to do something different. Like, I don't know. You know, That'd take him from maybe from the slot, put him out wide, or I mean, just that'd be wild. Do yeah, something, yeah. make an adjustment in the game to account for their adjustment they made. It's wild thought. I, and I know that we we used to dunk so much on this on this coaching staff for not making mid game adjustments. And when Hugh Freeze got here, we're like, finally, they're going to make mid game adjustments. And then I don't think it's Freeze. Is the, it's not. Is, and I think it's not Freeze. That's I the frustrating part. I don't think it's Freeze. And so. No, man, I just don't really get it. So we'll talk about that more throughout the week. Freeze slash Montgomery. But uh, Ole Miss, weirdly bad off of uh, off of their bye week. We'll discuss that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Athletic Brewing Company. They bring you your game changer of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, much like Marcus Harris. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Marcus Harris has been a bright spot on this Auburn roster and is probably the most underrated player on this team. And I think he was certainly the bright spot on the defensive front yesterday. So props to Marcus Harris for being the Athletic Brewing game changer of the week. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And their brews, they win all of these competitions, these global competitions that compete against brews with alcohol in them. So props to Athletic Brewing for raising the game. And of course, no hangovers ever. You can drink them anywhere. So you can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at Athletic Brewing. First-time customers use code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all time. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, our guest on this Monday. This is from Jordan Merritt who writes for oldhottytotty.com. He says, over the last 10 seasons, so I'm assuming this is correct, over the last 10 seasons, the Rebels have had 12 games coming off of a bye week, and Lindsay, they've lost nine of them. They're three and nine in the last decade coming off of a bye week, which is fascinating to me. It's really bad. It's really bad. So he does add context that... How many did I tell you it was? Four of them, they played Alabama. Ole Miss doesn't beat Alabama unless Hugh Freeze is coaching them. No. So let's make that clear. And then another concern, which is applicable for this weekend, the Rebels are 0-6 when they go on the road after a bye week. But once again, of those six, three of them were losses to Alabama. So does that impact you know how bad they've been? Weird scheduling by the SEC, but whatever. But your initial reactions to Ole Miss uh, not being good after bye weeks. I know he's not been there all 12 years, 
but my initial reaction is like Lane's really enjoying Boca. I don't blame him. Like he's really enjoying Boca Raton during that bye week. Um, I mean, I, I I get it. If I was making tons of money, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it just it's even if you take out the Alabama games, the four Alabama games, he still has a losing record. Oh, Ole Miss has a losing record mm-hmm. after bye weeks, and it far be it from me to like live in a glass house and throw stones here. But it feels like That's you right. should be better prepared out of a bye week, even with an SEC schedule. And even if you take out Alabama, it's just like, I mean, that's that's almost you have two weeks to prepare. And I don't understand how a team can consistently be so bad after a bye week. But it has to make you feel good about Auburn's chances this Saturday, despite the fact how bad they looked against LSU. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen two different teams, right? We've seen the at-home team, the Jordan-Hare team, and we've seen away from Jordan-Hare. And so maybe the combination of this, and look, this stat may not even actually matter other than the fact of like, yes, you know, maybe bye weeks aren't as crucial than we sometimes act like they are. I think we all saw that firsthand, right? Because we all believe Hugh Freeze is a good coach. Most of us do, right? You and I do. Yeah. But then, you know, the first two drives on offense and defense, for that matter, were, were terrible. They, you know, the team just wasn't ready. It took them 10 minutes of game time to get their feet set, and then it was obviously too late. And so w- what necessarily happens when Ole Miss goes to Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend, maybe a similar thing could happen. I think Ole Miss is certainly a better team than what Auburn has been so far this year. But it's Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is a fan base that wants a big win. And they were able to do it, you know, I guess that was the last time that Ole Miss was here. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Auburn to win Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the line as of Sunday night is six and a half points. And for Auburn facing a top 15 team in Ole Miss, it yeah. feels like that's not as big of a line as you would expect it to be. And I think that's the Jordan hair effect. And it's the fact sure. that Auburn can play anybody at home closer than they do on the road. And it's yes, it's a little weird that the difference is that stark where you look at what they did against Georgia and then you look at what they did against LSU. And it's like, yeah. if you didn't know college football, you wouldn't know that Georgia was the two time national champion and LSU was right. uh, had a defense that was a train wreck. Uh, that was disguising a dumpster fire, but I don't know. It, it's it's there's the part of me that's like, okay, Ole Miss isn't good off a of bye week. There's a part of me that's like, look at what we just did, did against LSU. It did not look good at all. And so, how big of an effect is Jordan here? I think we'll find that out this weekend. I think and it's huge. Yeah, like it, it obviously has to be huge. But if Auburn can keep this game close, if Auburn can cover, never mind win the game. I think that absolutely shows you that the Jordan Hare effect is real. It's spectacular. And you have to be hopeful for any game that's at home. But what a weird stat, man. Like just to be that bad off of off of a week of extra preparation is either you're not doing the prep or you're prepping the wrong things. Or yep. you're in Boca. One of those three. Right. Should be a fun day on the planes on Saturday. If you're tailgating, hit me up. I'm gonna be on campus all day. Would love to meet. A lot of you, I think that could be uh, could be a fun day, and hey, we may have a fun win 
Saturday night. Lindsay, how can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. That's the hub for all of the baseball coverage, whether it's Auburn baseball, minor league baseball, MLB, mostly the Atlanta Braves, all on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Yep, you can find all of my written work at auburndaily.com, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked on College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.